Morning, church. What's up, church? What's up? Let's give the Lord a big hand. Amen, amen, amen. Hello, everybody. How, how is everyone doing today? If you are having some problems in your life, some trials, say amen. Amen. Dang. <laughs> this is the right place to be. Let's all stand up. Let's all stand up. This is the place to be. You want to say hello to everybody in East County. Say East County. Say North County. Say City Heights. San Isidro. Uh, all the people in the military and La Jolla Shores and Lindo. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. I got to get my spot right. Lindo. Lindo Lake or Lindo Lake. Lindo Lake. Uh, Marco Sices, give all those people out there a big hand. God bless y'all. Um, my prayer is that God would give you a major breakthrough today in your burden. That is the goal. And I want you to have a sense of anticipation that you are going to leave here uh, feeling like a conqueror of the burden you brought in here. I want you to think about your burden. I want you to say, okay, God, I'm giving this to you. So my goal is that you leave here more encouraged uh, in light of the burden that you have. Amen? Amen. Holy Spirit, only you can do it. I can't. But we don't, we don't have because we don't ask. So we're asking for wisdom, discernment, power, encouragement in the midst of the burden that we have. And I pray everyone on all our campuses, on microsites, watching online, that they would think about their burden. And they would say, Lord, I'm surrendering it to you because you care for me. In Jesus' name, amen. Turn to the person next to you and say, this sermon is for you. Amen. 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 On the count of three, let's see your Bibles and say word. One, two, three, say word. Very good. Turn to Hebrews chapter, Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews chapter 12. When I was growing up, my uh, parents had five kids within six years. My mom is 4'11". She's here. She's 78 years old. She lives with us. And she's still kicking strong. She's sitting right over here. Amen. And um, so my mother had five kids within six years. So she had a seven-year-old was the oldest and a two-year-old was the youngest. Or two, one-year-old. So it was my sister, then me, then my brother, then my sister, then my brother. And so wherever we went, here was... Lady 4'11", and then depending on our age, all these little, like, little ducklings following her everywhere. And in our house, we never talk back to our parents because we got beat. <laughs> now, I am not advocating you beat your children. I'm just telling you what had happened in my house. I understand child protective services and all those kind of laws. You respect all that. I'm just telling you. What happened in my house? I understand some of y'all beat, y'all get the switch, and you got to go out there and get the stick. We ain't do all that. My mother had a ruler, and the ruler had a metal edge. <laughs> she, didn't, she, didn't, she wasn't an abuser. I'm just, I'm just telling you what we had in our house. And my father, um, you know, he was disciplinary and didn't say a whole lot. So, it was, you know, we did not want my father to find stuff out or get in trouble. So, we didn't talk back. We, we really, you know, we did our stuff so much on the slide we couldn't get caught. 
it, it was a very serious situation if you got caught. So, yeah, it was a big risk. So one day, we were in the de a department store, and my father happened to be with us. Don't know why, because he never went to the store. And there was a kid over there who didn't get what they wanted, and they were going, nah, I hate you, I hate you. And they were yelling and screaming, hitting their parents, rolling on the ground. And all five of us were frozen because we had never seen that before. <laughs> and we were like this. And we were looking at, like, our father going, well, what, something's got to happen to that kid. We're like, when? <laughs> and they're like, ah, I hate you. <laughs> How many of y'all seen that kid before? Okay. How many of y'all were that kid? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not going to ask you how many had that kid. That's a whole nother problem, okay? <laughs> so we're watching this going, that ain't right. That ain't right. Like, because we had never seen that. Like, we're, like, we're shocked. And so we're watching this. And then I don't know what happened at the end, but I know my father was thinking, y'all better not get any ideas. So he started whooping us <laughs> on behalf of that kid. <laughs> how you respond to pain and disappointment is directly related to your relationship with your heavenly father. Matter of fact, how you respond to pain is directly related to who your, heavenly, who your spiritual dad is. There are two options for a spiritual father. God or the devil. Either God is your God or Satan is your God. There is no other option. I'm talking about spiritual options. If you say, I'm, God is not my father, by default, the devil is your leader. There is no option. You can't, you can't govern yourself. You think you are, but you're not. You're under the spiritual influence of evil, selfishness, gossip, ego, pride. That's all from the devil. And so how you respond to pain, disappointment, not getting your way is a direct relationship to who your dad is. If, if in our house, because that man was our dad, that did not happen. In that kid's house, because those parents let that happen, oh, whatever, that's what happened. If you self-identify as a believer of Christ and God is your father, there are certain ways you should respond to pain, and there's no options. But if he's not your father, you're going to uh, respond another way. Now, let's start this off by saying this. All of us are going through and have been through something, and you can ask yourself, how are you responding? Are you complaining to God? Are you complaining to people? Are you blaming? Are you saying it's not, I don't deserve this? Therefore, you are responding in a way that's consistent with the devil being your dad. Because he has told you it's all about you. He has told you you deserve this. You, you, you don't deserve this. And, and they're, they're better than you. Who, who do they think they are? And he's put that all in your head. So if you find yourself responding to things you don't like selfishly, you are not responding as a child of God. Now, if you're a child of God and you say, well, I need to, re I need to change the way I respond, fabulous. So today, when you think about your, your issue, and one of the reasons burdens are burdensome is because we make them so. In other words, something bad happened to us and we just start listing all the reasons why it's the end of the world. And we create it. And God's like, what are you saying? You don't even know what's going to happen tomorrow. How are you predicting all this drama that's going to happen because you lost your job? Would you ever think I might have a better job for you? Yeah. <laughs> You're crying the blues because that girl left you. You know what she was doing? Yeah. Or you know what he was doing? Or you know what he was getting ready to do? And so as God's children, we have to realize, wait a minute. If I am a child of God, how am I supposed to respond? Now, here's the goal is that you would respond like Jesus. And here's, here's Jesus' response. 
when Jesus was getting ready to be crucified, he said to the Father, Father, and I'm going to paraphrase, but uh, he says, Father, this is going to be hard. He was sweating blood. He was so stressed. The Bible says he was stressed to the point of death. And he was sweating blood. And he says, Father, is there any other way? Because, man, I don't want to get tortured. Man, I don't want to get crucified, spit on, whipped, nailed to wood. But if, is there any other way? And the Father said, no, you gotta go. there's no other way that all these people can be forgiven unless you die for them. And then he said, okay, I will willingly, voluntarily walk into pain on behalf of other people. Because I know I'm your, I'm your son and you will never leave me or forsake me. That's the ideal is that where you can not only say, I have a situation, and as God's child, I'm going to act this way. As God's child, I'm going to glorify God. I'm going to become a conqueror. I'm going I'm to look for ministry opportunities. I'm going to walk in the peace of God and the confidence of God that God's never going to leave me. Not only that, but that you would say, you know what, that's a tough situation. I'm going to voluntarily take on this burden on behalf of someone that maybe doesn't even like me because I know God's called me. That's where you want to get to. But if you're living your life just so you can feel good, completely wrong perspective on all what this is all about. You're looking, you have the wrong goal. Your goal is too small. Versus saying, Lord, I want to be used of God. And so we're going to look at four, four ways, four different pain responses with four different identities you have as God's child. There are many identities. We're going to look at four. The first one in Hebrews chapter 12 is as a child of God. As a child. And I'm going to tell you this, as a child of God... Your pain response, no matter what it is, it needs to glorify God. Matter of fact, on the screen, we're going to put 1 Peter 4, 15 and 16. I just want to read this to you. This is the foundation of what we're talking about. 1 Peter 4, 15. You don't have to turn it. Just look at the screen. Let none of you suffer as a murderer. Uh, don't be a murderer. <laughs> That's a good idea, huh? Don't kill anybody, okay? A thief, an evildoer, or as a busybody in other people's business. Ooh! <laughs> look at Peter said. He said, don't be a murderer and don't be a gossip. It's all in the same category. How many of y'all know a gossip? Y'all, y'all. Let's all of us raise our hand up really high and leave your hand up if it applies to you. I haven't said what it is yet. Wait, lift your hand up. And I'm going to, I haven't said it yet. Leave your hand up if what I say applies to you. How many of you have ever said stuff? I'm going to read it to you. Keep your hand up. <laughs> that you've been a busybody in other people's matters. Oh, some of y'all put your hand down. Come on, strike that person dead. <laughs> he said, don't, don't, be a, don't suffer as that person. In other words, don't be guilty of that. But, but look, then look what it says. It says, if anyone suffers as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God. As a child of God, if you identified as God as your father, your response to everything you don't like needs to glorify God. What you say, what you think, what you feel, what you do should make God look good. Now, so when you think of your situation, ask yourself, am I mumbling things that glorify God? Am I gossiping things that glorify God? Am I thinking things that glorify God? And if not, say, God, I want to take all those thoughts captive and make them obedient to you so they glorify you. And if you do that, you're going to be honoring God and God's going to honor you. So number one in your notes, as children of God, pain produces righteousness. In other words... What you're going through, God wants to turn it into righteousness in your life where you are more like him. Look what it says. 
Chapter 12, verse 11, no chastening or discipline seems to be joyful for the present, but painful. Yeah, it may be painful, but afterward it yields a peaceable fruit of righteousness to those who are being trained by it. Now, we're not going to get into is your pain from God, is it from you, is it from the world. Listen, we're not getting into that now. It's a whole other topic. And I, wouldn't, I would challenge you not to spend too much time all the time trying to figure that out. Other than, God, what do you want me to learn? Instead of saying, God, why is this happening to me? Say this, God, what do you want me to learn? How do you want me to, how do you, how do you want me to be different? Ask him that. He would be so happy. He would be so happy. When Paul was on his way to Damascus to arrest Christians, before Paul was, before Paul, was Paul, he was Saul, and he was arresting Christians and persecuting them because they were believers. God knocked them on the ground, and, he, and, and a bright light, and Jesus said, knocked them on the ground. And he said, Paul, why are you persecuting me? He said, Lord, is that you? He said, show sure enough, it's me. <laughs> and, then, and then Paul, Saul at the time, said, what do you want me to do? You should ask God in the midst of your pain, instead of saying, God, 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 why, 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 why? Say, Father, what do you want me to do? What do you want me to learn? I can't tell you how many people have come to me over the years in the midst of a trial. Pastor, can you pray for me? I'm going through this hard trial. And they explain this impossible situation. And then I say, so how has your life changed since this has happening? Oh, I've been reading the Bible every day. I've been in the Word. And I've been praying. And I sense the presence of God. I've been going to church. So you, can you pray? And let me fill in the blank. Can you pray that God take this away so I don't have to do all that? Can you pray that God take this away so I can go back to where I was? When God's looking at you saying, so you're telling me this strong intimacy and all the holiness in your life that I'm imparting in your heart, you wouldn't trade that for this pain? God is trying to make you like him. Now, you may have caused your pain. God, this good, he left me and I'm all alone. And I don't know why he left me. I'm such a good woman. You should have never been with him in the first place. And I'm the one who told you this is God. I'm the one who told you that. And you're crying the blues to me. I saved you from a whole lifetime of drama because that brother was a problem. <laughs> Can I get amen? And by the way, fellas, the same thing. Same she devil that you've been dating and God take it. It goes both ways. Okay. So, but we're not getting into whose fault it is. The problem is whatever, whether it's your fault or someone just did something, whatever, it doesn't matter. In the midst of whatever the situation is, if you learn from it, you'll be better. If you tell God, God, and ask God, what can I learn right now? And I know some of y'all sitting there, I can't learn nothing from this. You better shut your mouth. <laughs> shut your mouth. God can at least teach you to not complain. In all things with thanksgiving, in all things with thanksgiving, make your request known to God. Thank you. God, thank you. I lost my job three times in football. First time I was sad because I was lost. I, had no, I didn't know God and had no place to go. Next time I was mad because I got fired because I was a Christian. And the third time I got fired, uh, I was glad. Why? Because when the charges cut me, I knew that God had something better for me. I didn't have that perspective the first time. Next, number two in your notes. As God's beloved, pain brings the spirit and the spirit of glory. The Spirit de Gloria. First Peter chapter 4, verse 12. First Peter 4, 12. First Peter 4, 12. 
the spirit of glory. Is that a different spirit than the Holy Spirit? Nope. A different spirit from the spirit of God? Nope. Same spirit. It's one spirit. But this spirit, when it's active, it's going to inspire you, empower you, direct you to glorify God. That people are going to see the peace of God in your face, the confidence of God in your face, the joy of the Lord in your face, in the midst of your pain. We're going to talk about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego probably next week. And when they were in the fiery furnace, these three brothers, I'm not going to get into it uh, too, too much. But when they, when they went into a fiery furnace, the Lord was with them and they had peace. They were in fire, supposed to be burning up. Probably the worst death you could have is to burn. And yet they had peace. Why? Because the presence of the Lord was there. Look what it says in 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 12. Beloved. Everyone say, beloved. Do not think it strange that the, uh, concerning the fiery trial which is to try you. Do not think it strange when you go through what you're going through. Some of you go through stuff and you think, no one understands. How many of you have ever been through something where you think, no one understands what I'm going through? Raise your hand if you ever thought that. <laughs> eh, that's just wrong. <laughs> the Bible says no temptation will ever overtake you except that which is common. And people will come up to me and they'll preface their, their prayer request by saying, you're not going to understand this. Well, how do you know? How do you know what I've been through? No one understands me. Well, how do you know? If you've lost a child, I've never lost a child. But the God that you pray to did, he gave his son. He understands. He says, don't think it's strange concerning the fiery trial, which is to try you, as though some strange thing has happened to you, but rejoice. Everyone say rejoice. rejoice. To the extent that you partake in Christ's sufferings, that when his glory is revealed, you also may be glad with exceeding joy. Verse 14, if you are reproached for the name of Christ, blessed are you for the spirit of glory. The spirit of God's peace, the Holy Spirit will rest upon you. And inspire you, stimulate you, provoke you to honor God, to think about God, to praise God. Lord, I'm your son, and I'm going through this. Holy Spirit, Espiritu Santo, fill me with your power. Fill my mind with your thoughts. Give me courage and faith to trust you. Amidst this pain, I don't understand. I just trust you because it's, way, it's bigger than me. Got you. The spirit of glory. Look at number three in your notes. As saints, pain produces ministry opportunities. Oh, this, this is powerful. Oh, ho, 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 ho. You're God's saint. By the way, in the Bible, a saint is a believer. That's all it is. Not to minimize it, but you're a saint. In some other faiths, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a different situation. But in the Bible, Paul refers to the Christians as saints, okay. And in 2 Corinthians, you can turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 1. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, he's talking to the believers as saints. And he's going to tell them something about their pain. And, and, the, and the, he's going to tell them that their pain will produce a ministry opportunity. What does that mean? Is that in the midst of your pain, you should be looking out for who you can minister to that have been or are in the same pain you're in. It's not about fix me, fix me, make me feel good, give me what I want versus God. How do you want to use this in someone else's life? God delivered me from cocaine one time. God delivered me from marijuana one time. God delivered me from all that one time. And he says that one deliverance, now I want you to use for the rest of your life and encourage people. <laughs> I share my testimony. I couldn't even guess how many times. Same story. It's the same old thing. I can say to my sleep. And if I say it in my sleep, someone's going to get saved in my sleep. 
my pillow's getting saved. Someone's getting saved. But it's the same story. So when God comforted me from that, he said, now give it away, 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 give it away. And so what happens is we go through pain, we pray for God to comfort us, and we rub that comfort all over us like lotion. Oh, God, make me feel good. Oh, whoo, I didn't think I was going to make it. And then we take that and we throw it away. God said, hold on, hold on, hold on. That, that comfort right there, that's not for you. <clears throat> that's not for you. <laughs> I had a moment. I had a moment. <laughs> Look what it says in, in chapter, chapter, chapter uh, uh, 1, 2 Corinthians. It says, and, and, and count, let's count how many times it says comfort or comforted. It says, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort. Say comfort. Your dad is the God of comfort. He's not the God of punishment. So you shouldn't have to fear him. He wants to comfort you. But not just so you can feel good. And then it says in verse 4, who comforts, say comforts. Us in all our tribulation, no matter what you go through, he can comfort you, no matter what. That we may be able to comfort, say comfort, who, those who are in any trouble. God comforts you so you can comfort somebody else. If you live in the world where it's all about you and your daddy's a devil, when I say devil, selfishness, pride, ego, me, 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 me. If that's your God, you, it's all about you. I got comfort. I'm getting mine. I'm getting paid. That's it. I'm done. But if, if, if your heavenly father is your God, he wants to comfort you so you can comfort somebody else. So you have to choose what's your mindset. And then it says, then it says, it says that we may be able to comfort those who are in any trouble with what? Well, with the same comfort. Say comfort. With which we ourselves have been comforted by. Say comforted by. So if you're saying, God, help me with my divorce, help me with my addiction, help me with my, my money struggles, and God gives you wisdom, opportunity, he reveals his glory to you, his peace, his, his direction, and you go, wow, I see the patience of God, the wisdom of God, the provision of God. Take that and say, God, how do I help somebody else with this? We're going to take communion in a few minutes. And when we take communion, we are remembering that Jesus suffered on our behalf. If you remember what I said at the very beginning of the message, our goal is that not only would we get through our pain, but that we would be able to voluntarily walk into difficult situations, uncomfortable situations, self-sacrificial situations on behalf of somebody else and sometimes people who don't even like us. Because that's what Jesus did. He died for sinners who didn't like him. That's the ultimate. And you do that knowing that your daddy will never forsake you. That's where you want to get to. The reason we have life class and life groups, one of the many reasons, is to put you in a place so you can grow to be who God called you to be, so God can use you to bring hope to the world. You only bring hope where there's hopelessness. You bring comfort where there's pain. It's not I just want to get information or I just want to feel good myself. That's, that's selfish motivation. Unselfish motivation is, God, I want to honor you and glorify you. And so when you're called to serve, when you're called to give, when you're called to pray for somebody, when you're called to say something in front of people where it's uncomfortable, it's all for the benefit of them, not for the benefit of you. And so he says, I'm going to comfort you so you can comfort somebody else. When I blew my knee out my third year with the Chargers, I, 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 I jumped up in the air to catch this ball. I was like 30 feet, 32 feet up. 
I, I know jealousy's tough. I know. I get it. I get it. And then when I came down in, back into the atmosphere as I was coming through, birds got my eye, and then I missed the ball. And then this guy on my team was running in this direction. As I was running in this direction, he was 6'5", about 240 pounds, and he had a cast on his arm. And he was running all like this, and I was coming down, and my knee was about this high above his head. He was 6'5", so my knee was about 6'7", up in there. And he swang and hit my knee, and I flipped, and that was the end of my career. So I'm on the bus. We play at the L.A. Coliseum. This was back when the Raiders were in L.A. I had a two-hour bus ride on the bus, and guess who was sitting next to me? A doctor who was not a Christian. Here's the aisle of the bus, my legs up, out in the aisle with ice on it, getting ready to have surgery by this doctor. And he was assigned to sit next to me for two hours. And God said, so what are you going to talk about? <laughs> I've given you the team doctor for two hours, and he can't move. <laughs> this, is, this is a true story. Some of the stories I tell you are not true. This is very true. <laughs> I'll tell you when they're not true. This is true. So I'm sitting there, and, 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 all of, and I, I, by the way, this was the year I committed my life to the Lord. I was in Bible study twice a week. I had just been given a starting job. I was being blessed, 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 and then this happened. Why? God said, football is not your life. I just use it to bring you to California. I got something better for you after this. This. Now, I didn't know that, but I trust him. And so I'm sitting there, and, 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 and I said, Two hours. He said, are you going to complain for two hours? Are you going to whine for two hours? Are you going to talk about your opportunity and, and you're, you're be mad at the, your own teammate that blew your knee up? Or are you going to tell him about me? I said, God, I got you on this one. <laughs> for two hours, I witnessed to this doctor. Told him about Jesus, told him about the hope I had. Told him I knew that this was the end of my career, which it was. But also told him that my faith is in Christ. I'm good. How are you? This job is killing you. I'm watching you work day and night. You, you, you look tired and you're, you're away from your family. God loves you. Da, 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 da. That injury created that ministry opportunity. Now, if I was over here where my dad is selfishness, he's like, oh, man, Coach, what? this is not fair. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> ministry opportunity. You have to ask yourself, who do you know that could benefit from what you're learning in your situation? You want to get rid of a problem? Get a bigger problem. You may say, oh, my boyfriend cheated on me. How about the lady whose boyfriend beats her? My son is using drugs. How about the person whose son just killed himself? You want to, you want to get rid of a problem? Get a bigger problem. Go minister to somebody. Get your eyes off yourself. Go to some place where in, in, in the United States of America, if you are on welfare, you are in the top 11% of income in the whole world. 89% of the rest of the world is poorer than you. Does that mean that it's good? Not necessarily. But listen, you want to know bad? You got it. We got it good here. And yet we complain about what we don't have. <laughs> Number four. Number four. As conquerors, pain reassures your safety in the hands of God. It reminds you that nothing will ever snatch you out of the hand of God. How do you know? Because every time you go through something, God gets you through. And every time you go through something, this little voice says, this is the end. And you're like, you said that last time, devil. No, but this is really the end. I'm a victim. I think that all the time. My, I say stuff to my wife that is like, Debbie, this is going to happen. And she looks at me and she goes, 
she literally says, you're tripping. <laughs> no, you're tripping. This is the end of the church. This is the end of my ministry. You're tripping. Literally, she'll say, because it's crazy. Because it's wrong, what I'm saying. You're a conqueror. You've already won. If you, when you die, you go to heaven. That, that's a, if you have Christ, if you die, you go to heaven. That's a fact. If you don't have Christ, we're going to give you an opportunity in a few minutes to have Christ. Look what it says in, chapter, in Romans chapter 8. Let me read this real quick. Romans chapter 8, verse 35. It says, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Everyone say, nothing. nothing. If, if, if for all of you old people who remember the show named Hogan's Heroes, <laughs> Clink? Yeah. Colonel Clink. I know nothing. Is that the same guy? Okay, so if you don't know this, I'm sure most of y'all don't. How many of y'all don't know that? Raise your hand. We're gonna, uh, Schultz. Schultz. Uh, Clink, I don't know. Y'all know what I'm talking about. It's Schultz Clink, one of those guys. He says, I know nothing. Everyone say nothing. nothing. What shall separate you from the love of God? Everyone say nothing. 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 Whatever you're going through, it's not going to separate you from the love of God. And then he says, shall tribulation say no? no. Say it with confidence. Say no. Shall distress, persecution, famine, nakedness, peril, sword. And then he says, as it is written, for your sake we are killed all day. We are counted as sheep for the slaughter. And then he says, yet in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is Christ Jesus our Lord. Period. Nothing. Nothing. Except saying no to God. If you say no to God, and you reject his salvation, at some point when you die, you will be separated from God. But if you ask Christ to be your Savior, then nothing will separate you from his love. Only you can. When I was doing, doing cocaine, my teammate was doing cocaine with me. I, I got saved and stopped. He didn't. I invited him to church, and he said to me, if it wasn't for people like me doing cocaine and sleeping around doing all the crazy stuff that we both used to do, that he continued to do, if it wasn't for people like me, you as a pastor wouldn't have a job. I said to him, that's correct, but you don't want to be that guy. Because if all your life you say, God, I do not want you, when you die, you will get what you ask for. So in a minute, we're going to have an opportunity where you can say, Jesus Christ, I believe that I am a sinner, and I believe you died for me and rose from the dead. Please forgive me of my sin. I want to become your child. John 1.12, John says, to those who believed in him, he has given the right to become children of God. Some people, especially in Estados Unidos, in the United States, they think that because they were born in this country, they're a child of God. That's not true. Because what about the people born in other countries? Are they not a child of God? Just because of where they're... You're not a child of God because you were born anywhere. You're not a child of God because you're human. You're a creation of God. But you're a child of God, the Bible says, when you're born again. Just like you are not my children, child because you weren't born of me and my wife, just like you have a biological father by a union between a man and a woman, you will be a spiritual child because you were born of your heavenly father. It's very simple, very simple concept. If you see a human, they had parents. They had to come from a womb. That's just a fact. So when you see a spiritual born-again person, they had to have a seed 
be born of something, born of the Heavenly Father. And so by choice, you have to say, Lord, I acknowledge that I am a sinner because all have sinned. I acknowledge that the penalty of my sin is death, separation from God. But I also acknowledge that Jesus Christ died on my behalf because he had no sin and he rose from the dead. And that if I ask him to forgive me, he will. And if I surrender my life to him, he will fill me with the spirit of God and I will become his child. And then he will teach me how to deal with the pain in my life, the drama in my life. And I'm not going to do it alone. I'm not going to do it alone. In a minute we're going to bow our heads and you're going to have an opportunity to ask Christ to be your savior. And then we're going to take communion. If you've never taken communion, you do not want to take communion unless you ask Christ to be your Savior. Because when you take communion, you are acknowledging to God, I know you died for me. Because that's what communion is all about. I know you rose from the dead. You don't want to do that and then reject him. Because you're further deepening your guilt. Some of you have tattoos or crosses. You have jewelry that's crosses. If you have that jewelry, you're telling God, God, yeah, I know about the cross. But I reject it. It's not a good luck charm. It brings you no luck. That's not what it is. Don't be deceived. It brings you no luck. It just says you have a God conscience at, at best. But what you don't want to do is die and say, hey, Lord, I had a, had a tattoo. He said, yeah, did you know what that meant? Yeah, you died on the cross. Do you know why I died on the cross? Oh, yeah, for our sins. Did you ever accept me as your Savior and surrender your life to me like I gave my life to you? You ever lay your life down and let me, let me control your life? Uh, you think I died on that cross so you can put a tattoo on your arm? I had better things to do. Let's all bow our heads and close our eyes. Lord, thank you for dying on the cross for our sin. Thank you for suffering the ultimate pain. As our eyes are closed and our heads are bowed, God wants to minister to your pain. If you realize that Jesus Christ died for your sin and rose from the dead and you want him to forgive you, just pray this prayer with me in the privacy of your heart. Pray, dear God, I believe that you love me and that you died on the cross and rose from the dead. I surrender my life to you. I want to be born again. Fill me with the Spirit of God. I surrender my life to you. As our eyes are closed and our heads are bowed, if you prayed that prayer and you're asking Jesus to forgive you of your sin, I just want you in all the campuses, just raise your hand up really high if you just prayed that prayer. God bless you. Really high, really high. God bless you. Dozens of you. Really high, really high. Keep them up. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. We see you all over. We see you on all, all the levels and all the campuses. Very good. You can put your hands down. Lord, thank you for those people. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's give all those people a hand. God bless you. Amen. Take the wafer at the top. If you don't have a communion cup, just raise your hand. The ushers will bring one to you. But take the communion cup, the wafer at the top. In the Last Supper, Jesus took the bread and he broke it and he gave it 
to his disciples and said, take, eat, this is my body. And what he was telling them was, I'm getting ready to have my body broken, beaten, whipped, nailed, spit on, shredded on your behalf. And when you take communion, I want you to remember that. He said, do this in remembrance of me. I want you to remember the sacrifice I made for you. And so when I ask you to sacrifice something in your time, in your talent, in your giving, your serving, you're inviting someone to church and risking getting rejected, I want you to remember me. I gave it all for you. Lord, we thank you. And we acknowledge that in Jesus' name. Amen. Open the cup very carefully all throughout the Bible since Genesis chapter 3. It had been established that there is no forgiveness except with bloodshed because the penalty of sin is death and life is in the blood. You can't have forgiveness of sin except with bloodshed. That's why all throughout the Old Testament they would kill animals. The problem is the animals were sinful their blood not perfect, therefore their sacrifice not perfect, therefore they had to keep doing it over and over and over again. Jesus came and said, I have sinless blood. I just have to die one time for you. So when we take this, we're acknowledging that we understand that and that we are forgiven forever. God, when he looks at me, he doesn't, when, he, when I talk about doing cocaine, of course he remembers, but the Bible says when he forgives you, he remembers no more. He chooses not to bring it up. So when he sees me bring it up, of course he understands I'm sharing my testimony, but he doesn't see me as a cocaine addict. He sees me as his forgiven son, his beloved son, a conqueror, a saint. Same thing for you. He sees you as glorious, someone he loves. And then he sees the devil lying to you, convincing you that you're still what you were before. But that's not how he sees you. So when we take this, we're acknowledging that we've been forgiven and cleansed. And he just needs to work on our mind to get convince us of that. Lord, we take this acknowledging that you love us and that you see us completely different as we see ourselves. We know this is the blood of the new covenant for the remission and forgiveness of sins. We do this remembering and acknowledging that you shed your blood on the cross for us. In Jesus' name, amen. In a minute, I'm going to pray for all the campuses. But before I do, I want to challenge all of you in this. Every single one of you, all of us experience pain all the time. It's part of our fallen, imperfect world. However, you all know somebody who's, ex who's experiencing pain. I want to challenge you. We have three more messages in this series. That you bring somebody to church. And your first challenge is, God, you want to use me to, to use my pain in this series as a ministry. Go say, God, show me who you want me to bring to church. And you're going to feel uncomfortable maybe, whatever. You, you may, they may say no, whatever. you got to get over that. And you got to realize that God's got you. And invite him to church. Change your schedule to get them here. Well, I can only go at night. Come at night with them. Change your schedule. I can only come at this service or that service. Change your schedule. Self-sacrificial ministry. Change your schedule. And say, I want to help you. That's what it's about. It's not about 
Me, 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 me. My convenience, my comfort, my seat, my service. I'm going to give what I want. I'm going to serve when I want. It's all about, no, no, God, what do you want me to do? Then the spirit of glory will rest on your life. So in a minute we're going to pray, and all you people who raise your hand, in a minute we're going to pray, and we're going to have you stand up. We want to celebrate you, and we're going to have you come forward. In addition, there are some of you in all the campuses who need prayer for comfort. So we want you to come forward as well when we pray here in 60 seconds. Amen? If everybody in all the campuses can close your eyes and bow your head. Lord, thank you so much for your faithfulness. And Lord, so many people raised their hand. They gave their life to you, and there are more who are hurting on the count of three, if you raised your hand a few minutes ago to give your life to Christ and or you want us to pray for you, encourage you, I'm going to count to three and I'm going to ask you to stand, no matter where you're sitting and no matter what microsite, no matter what campus, I'm going to ask you to stand. And as you stand, you are declaring your faith in your heavenly Father. So I'm going to count to three. If you prayed that prayer, I'm just going to ask you to stand. Or if you want us to pray for you. Just stand right where you're sitting. On the count of three. One, two, three. Just stand to your feet if you prayed that prayer and raise your hand. God bless you. Stay standing. God bless you. Stay standing. God bless you. God bless you. Stay standing. We see you. 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 God bless you. We see you in the balcony. We see you all over. God bless you. 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 Okay, so here's what we're going to do now. All the people who are standing... Uh, in a minute, we're going to ask you to come down to the altar. If you're in a balcony, we're going to ask you to walk up, and the ushers will bring you down. Well, it's not a time to leave. It's a time to celebrate. So if you're standing, come out of your seat. Come on down to the altar. Let's give them a hand. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Stay right there. Okay? Just face me. There's a lot of people looking at you right now. Just face me. <laughs> God bless you. God bless you. Just face me. Amen. Amen. God bless you. God bless you. Amen. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. How are you? Amen. Amen. God bless you. Come on down. Come on down. Let's give him a hand. Come on. God bless you. God bless you. Nice to see you. Nice to see you. Let's give all these people a big hand. Come on. Let's encourage them. Amen. God bless you. 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 Amen. God bless you. 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 Amen. God bless you. 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 I want you metaphorically to all of you say, God, here's my life. Just do what you want. As I've been standing here as a, as a metaphor for uh, having God as your father, just tell me what you want me to do. If you did that every day, if y'all did that every day, you could have Bible study all, you li all your life and not grow. But if you tell God, God, what do you want me to do? If that's all you ever said and say, I'm listening, and you do what he says, you will grow. Because it's not about information. It's about obedience. It's about a relationship with your dad. And you show that you love your dad by obeying your dad. Amen? We're going to pray for these people, and then we're going to cheer them out. 
And then after that, Pastor Marcus will pray us out. So it's not time to leave. In a minute, we're going to pray. I think there's people coming from upstairs. Let's give these people a big hand. Amen. 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 God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Hey, baby. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you, sir. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Lord, we thank you for all these people. We thank you for your faithfulness. We thank you for your power. We thank you for your love. And we thank you that you are strong enough, times a thousand, to get us through any trial we have. In Jesus' name we pray. In the name of Jesus, amen. Take a right turn and walk this way. Let's give them a hand and walk out. Amen. <laughs> I don't miss nothing. <laughs> amen. Let's give them a big hand. Come on now. Come on now. Come on now. Come on now. <laughs>